Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 209 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, some of you know my guest from today. His name is Brady Shearer, and he is the guy behind Pro Church Tools. I just love his story. So uh, background, he's been a guest before on this podcast. You can get the links in the show notes. But as we talk about, I think in this episode, his dad and I were in the same class in high school. One of the other guys named Carrie in grade 12 at Midland Secondary School in Midland, Ontario. And all these years later, who am I hanging out with? His son, uh, who's just done an unbelievable job of making a difference by the age of 27. We talk about his journey, how he got into what he's doing and really resourcing churches online, what keeps him going, how he scaled his company actually very phenomenally and uh, how his training did or didn't help him get into this. He was a youth pastor. And uh, I just love entrepreneurs. I love leaders. And I love Brady's story. We're going to dive into that. Plus, he's going to talk about, um, well, things you should and shouldn't do in your church or organization to make an impact online. Well, a really big week coming up. Uh, One week from today, my brand new book, Didn't See It Coming, releases. And I'm going to tell you before we... uh, Go today how you can get some special pre-order bonuses. But first, a couple of partners I want to let you know about that are doing an incredible job. And I know some of you are thinking about, hey, where am I going to do my training this fall? And I would love for you to head on over to futureforwardchurches.com and check out the Future Forward Conference. It's happening October 2nd and 3rd, 2018. I'm going to be a part of that. It's in Pittsburgh, PA. And if you've ever had to, maybe you've had to turn around your church, you're turning around your church, you need to turn around your church, or you're just not optimally doing a great job reaching the next generation, like it's okay, but you know it could be a lot better, you've got to check out the Future Forward Conference. Uh, It's to inspire and equip church leaders to fully engage the next generation, and that's actually Lee Kreitcher's story. Uh, They held it last year. Here's some of the feedback. Uh, The topics were perfect. Um, The speakers communicated with passion, honesty, and understanding about doing everything we can to reach each new generation with God's love for them. Someone else said, well done. It was just what we needed. And this is the kind of conference you can bring your team to. I know for us, as we were sort of repositioning our churches years ago to reach the next generation, I just brought people with me. And that way the vision doesn't live in you alone. So check it out. Head on over to futureforwardchurches.com. Click on the conference and make sure you register today. Also, uh, training. Guys, get with 2018. If you are still doing training, uh, I was actually talking to our team about it. This is a platform that we're using at Connexus Church because it's almost impossible to keep up if you don't. And having your volunteers, I promise you, I promise you, optimally trained. It's not just like a vision and mission issue, which it is. It's also a safety issue. And trainedup.church is doing an unbelievable job. Now, because you listen to this podcast, you will get 10% off of trainedup.church for life. If you use the coupon code CAREY on checkout, C-A-R-E-Y, what does it do? Well, most churches train about 60% of their leaders. That's it on average. What if you could move to 100%? They have pre-built video courses. So if you don't want to you know, have feel like you have time to, to do your own thing, all done for you. Or if you want to do a total custom thing, 
they're ready for that too. It's mobile training. It's completely mobile first technology. Uh, you can get 100% of your volunteers trained. So go to trainedup.church and you can actually, if you're not sure, book a free demo. It takes about 15 minutes. You get to see everything about the tool, ask questions, and again, use the coupon code CARRY. You get 10% off for life. Well, you know I love to give away stuff for free and uh, that's what we're doing right now. Because a week from now, my book, Didn't See It Coming, launches. I'm so excited for that. It's all about the seven greatest challenges that like everybody experiences, nobody expects. So what do I tackle in the book? I tackle cynicism, burnout, moral compromise, big issue these days. And not just the big stuff, but the little stuff. Like, you know, when you're not the person you thought you would be, how do you handle that? Pride, irrelevance. And uh, you can buy the book September 4th when it comes out, totally. But if you buy it now and you go to didn'tseeitcomingbook.com, save your receipt because everybody who pre-orders in the next week gets a few little freebies. You get uh, seven lock screen graphics for your smartphone, uh, reminding you of some of the key teachings in the book. You get free access to session one of my High Impact Leader course. This is the course that's helped thousands of leaders get their life and leadership back. We're giving away session one for free. It's yours to keep. You get the video and the workbook if you pre-order the book now. And we're doing an exclusive live webinar. My wife, Tony, and I will give you all the details once you sign up about how to stay happily married while navigating life's seven greatest challenges. Uh, we're gonna tell you the truth. It wasn't easy, but we are gonna get into that on this exclusive live webinar. Who gets to come to the webinar? Only people who pre-order the book. If you order 10 or more copies, oh, well, you get all that and you get free access to one of my courses, the entire course. You can pick. Now, let's say, because we, we're already hearing from people who have read the book in advance, part of our launch team, we want to run the whole church through it. Again, this is only for another week. 100 plus orders, uh, here's what you do. We will give you everything we talked about and the entire library of all of my courses, The High Impact Leader, Breaking 200 Without Breaking You, The Art of Better Preaching, and Lasting Impact Team Edition. You get that if you order 100 or more books. So head on over to lastingimpactbook.com. Next Tuesday, when this podcast releases again, it'll be too late. So get those pre-order bonuses and order right now. And thank you to everybody. This has been such a fun journey. Um, I am so excited about the launch of the book and the change it can make in the hearts and the minds of leaders. Next week, I'm going to be doing a series of bonus episodes with some special guests. Uh, well, I'm going to talk to Levi and Jenny Lusco, Erwin McManus, Ann Voskamp, some voices you've never heard on the podcast before, and some you have. Plus, we're going to give you a sample of the audiobook that I recorded and a whole lot more. That interview with Erwin McManus was unbelievable. And I asked Ann to interview me sort of about the issues in the book. And I think you're going to find that fascinating. So a lot of free content coming your way on launch week next week. Ah, <sighs> well... That's enough. How about we jump into my conversation with Brady Shearer? Well, Brady, welcome back to the podcast. It was great having you on, I guess, uh, yeah, a few years ago. We are a couple of Canadians who only live a few hours from each other and uh, try to make a difference in people's lives. So I'm so grateful for what you do. And I'd love for you to catch up leaders on what you're doing and what's developed and changed over the last few years. Yeah, so name's Brady Shearer, live in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. 
I'm 27 years old, and I went to school to be a student pastor, studied four years, got my degree in youth ministry and theology. In my second year, I was hired on at a small church plant to be their media director. And uh, I'm still very close friends with the pastor of that church, and he still says to this day, like, look, you weren't qualified, bud, but we hired you. And he says he saw something in me, and I was thrust into that role and kind of just thrown into the deep end, picking up skills of web design, graphics, video, social media. And the more that I began to learn, the more that other churches in the city that I was living in, the most northern major metropolis in North America, so Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, if you think Ice Road Truckers, basically that's uh, that was the reality of living there, eight months of winter. That's why I had to leave, but I had a good time there. And some of Thanks the churches for playing in the into the stereotype. I really appreciate that. That's what everyone says to me, you know. Isn't it snowing there all the time? I'm like, yeah, all the time. Well, that's why I moved to Niagara Falls, about as far south as you can get in Canada. Probably an overcorrection. Very tropical. The palm trees are abundant. I look out the window. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I began, uh, you know, other churches started asking me, hey, how are you learning these skills? We think we need them as well. And I was really interested in online business and the idea of it. I was starting to think, you know what? Full-time traditional vocational ministry in staff on a church is not going to be the best fit for me. And let me give this online business thing a try. I think if I'm learning these skills within my own church, I think others can learn them as well. And I think we're at the very beginning of what I like to call the biggest communication shift in 500 years. I think these skills are just going to become more important than they already are. And so I launched Pro Church Tools, my company. It started as a, a humble blog, ProChurchTools.com. Only my mom read it, and I'd publish blog articles and create YouTube videos. And uh, since then, it's been about five years. Uh, we're a multi-million dollar company now. We have our own office space uh, that we built from scratch. Nine people in staff here in the office, and about 20 when you include remote. And basically, we're all about helping churches navigate this Biggest communication shift in 500 years. It's very difficult, but the opportunity to, to reach people is bigger than ever in human history. And so we're excited about that and, and helping churches do that. Well, first of all, just congratulations on all your success. I mean, every time I see you online, it seems like you're launching a new product, doing like, you know, blazing a trail. It's amazing, Brady. So congratulations. I think You've done more at the age of 27 or by the age of 27 than most people have done by the age of 70. So, uh, I mean, I just, I just think credit is due where credit is due. So I just wanted to say that. But here's my question. You said it was the biggest communication revolution in the last 500 years. I've heard people say it's the biggest revolution, period, in 500 years. Jordan Peterson has talked about this fairly extensively. And he talks about long form and how that just surprisingly seems to have this huge audience. I mean, we took a chance on it on this podcast and uh, others even much longer form, and it seems to really resonate with leaders. He said, along with others, that really listening is the new reading. So my question for you is this, how do you see things changing before our eyes? Well, I like to compare it to the printing press 500 years ago because I think what this communication shift has done, and obviously triggered by the internet, and how it's different than television or radio is that similar to the printing press, this communication shift has flipped power structures on its head. So to use the parallel of the printing press 500 years ago, when the printing press came about, it allowed just the common person, the every everyday man and woman to have access to books and knowledge that had been previously 
reserved only for, you know, select few. And this has led to the Bible still being the most widely distributed and best-selling book of all time. And it eventually was one of the big catalysts behind the Protestant Reformation. So similarly now, what we're seeing with platforms like YouTube and, and all of social media and the internet is, you know, on one level, someone like me who was a nobody from nowhere Canada was able to start a company and now have people that think I'm worth listening to and, and read my content and care about what I have to say. And then, you know, another example of this would be YouTube is perfect. Every single month in America alone, there are more than half a million unique searches for the keyword Bible study how to. So half a million Americans every month searching for resources on how do we study the Bible. And if you look at the first page results on that search term, the vast majority are young people 30 and under in their bedroom or living room filming videos on cameras that would never have even been affordable or attainable 10 years ago. And essentially with hundreds of thousands of views on each video, you have these young people that are teaching the world now how to read the Bible and study the Bible because there are no gatekeepers and there are pros to that and cons to that. I would much rather focus on the advantages. And so I think that's the biggest element of this communication shift. To translate that to a church world, it means that you know, 90 plus percent of churches in America, 350 people or fewer. If you're in Canada, the UK, Australia, it's even smaller. And it can kind of be like a woe is me, smaller church feel. But what's amazing about this new communication shift is you have the ability and opportunity that would have required more budget than you could have attained prior in decades prior. And now you have the ability to reach people in your community and congregation, unlike has ever existed before. And that's given all of us at least a little bit more meritocracy that didn't exist in decades past. Well, I think you're so right, Brady. And, you know, I think about it because I'm old enough to think about it. Um, if I had tried to launch this podcast 15 years ago, uh, I don't know whether I could have done it. I mean, I would have needed a lot of money, like probably in the neighborhood of high six figures, a million dollars. Uh, I would have needed access to somebody with broadcasting capability, whether that was radio or TV. I mean, traditional broadcasting. And the barrier to entry was so high. Now, fast forward to today and the barrier is so low. Uh, I mean, I started this podcast four years ago. The budget to launch was literally under $1,000. And half of that was this microphone that you and I are using. Brady and I use the same microphone, the Heil PR40. So, I mean, I want you to think back when you launched an online platform when you were in your early 20s, uh, like what did that initial investment cost you? Were you looking at dozens of dollars? Yeah, the WordPress theme on themeforest.net was 50 bucks and the $8 a month for hosting. And I think my mom copped for both of those because I was a starving college student. So uh, th thanks to mom. Gotta love moms. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Brady. I mean, it's it's so low, the barrier to entry now. And think about it, you know, as far as YouTube goes, an iPhone, even a non-current iPhone, will have a better camera than anybody dreamed possible a few years ago uh, for the price of a phone, which is which is crazy. So um, here's here's the question. What does this mean for church leaders? It means that it's about time, I think, to begin shifting the vast majority of our resources, focus, and creative energy from the Sunday service to the other 167 hours we have in a week. So if each week is 168 hours, service is, let's say, one on average. So the tagline for our company for years has been seize the 167. You know, you've got 
167 additional hours beyond your Sunday service that you now have the ability to reach people in your community and congregation instantly. And this is something we're seeing in every generation of all ages. You know, there's this misconception that it's just for the young people. And the oldest millennial right now is 38. You know, so young people is now a term that probably doesn't apply. We've got kids, we've got mortgages, we've got jobs. But even those in the 50 plus age group, I mean, Google did a study and they found that uh, those that are age 50 plus use the internet more than any other resource to find answers to questions, more than the newspaper, more than television, radio, or even asking those around them. And the average person 50 plus spends 19 hours online each week. So if your service is one hour and we're being generous and assuming that people are coming every single week, which we know, of course, is not true, that means that they're still spending 19 more times online than they are in your church service, in your building, in where you meet. And so that just is a great representation, a good demonstration of how much possibility and opportunity there is to reach people. And I think that the church has begun making the shift, but let's not kid ourselves, like Biggest communication shift in 500 years means tremendous opportunity, but it's also difficult to make that shift. We focused so long on our Sunday morning experience and to change that, especially when we understand that the average lead pastor is 54 years old, you know, that's not easy. That's, that's, that's very difficult. And so that's what we spend most of our time talking about and trying to resource churches with because it's not easy, but it can be done. And again, the opportunity exists more than ever before. I want to deconstruct your story a little bit, Brady. So, you know, you're a seminary graduate, you're working in student ministry, and I'm going to assume you didn't have a lot of tech training. That is, that's, that's correct. <laughs> okay, that is correct. So um, how did you see, like, how did you notice that there's all this opportunity online? I launched my first website and I create this product. And the, the, the product idea was we're going to do video announcements for churches. So basically you would log into our, into our online portal, send in your video announcement script, and then we create the video for you. And I still remember, Carrie, exactly where I was when I got the first email that said, someone has made a purchase on your site. <laughs> and I was in my church office and I get the email. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. And it was this church from Tampa Bay, Florida. And I immediately... Uh, call my mom because wife's at work and I call my mom and I'm like, mom, I just made money on the internet. And at this time, like I have eight subscribers to my blog, like nobody. It's amazing. I made this money online. Here's the sad part. Within 30 minutes, I got another email from this church and they said, yeah, I just don't think it's going to work out. Can we get our money back? <laughs> oh and, man. So like you yo, literally made money for 30 minutes. Like I wept. Like no, 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 no kidding. I cried. I called my mom again. I said, it's over. Like, this is never going to happen. By the time I was able to collect myself 17 days later or however long it was, you know, I realized that although this first church had requested a refund, this was possible. Like someone gave me money on, like put their credit card online. Like I remember growing up, my mom was like, we can't put our credit card online. It's not safe. And, and so like, that barrier used to exist. And this person had gone out of their way to give me money. And they were the first of obviously many customers to come even in that first summer of running business. And so I think that was the first big confidence boost that I, I got, Carrie, Rick, recognizing that, wow, this isn't just a pipe dream. This isn't just somebody selling me online business to run their online business. Like this is a real thing. And I'll still, re I'll never forget that because who knows, like, let's say that doesn't happen. Maybe 
you know, revisionist history. Maybe I don't have the the confidence to to keep up with it, but it did happen, and here we are now. Hmm. Where do you get your ideas from? Well, you even said like I have no formal education in this. If there was any formal education that did exist in this, it would likely be out of date by the time they put together the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so my whole fundamental idea when approaching digital is like, just be a doer. You know, things are changing so quickly. IGTV launches, everyone rushes over there. And then now the attention has already dipped down a bit because the initial hype is over. It can be very difficult to approach digital and feel like you can make effective decisions because things change so rapidly. And a lot of the time that can be paralyzing for churches. But I think that the exact opposite is the approach we need to take. You need to just dip your feet in everything. You need to try everything. You need to continue to approach these platforms every single day, experiment, double down on what's working, dive into your analytics. And so all of my ideas come from actually trying something and then realizing it worked, yay, do more of it, or it didn't work, why? And then course correct to find something that does. And I really do think that's the only way. I mean, the analogy I always like to use is that we're pioneers in a new land. And so our and uh, the people that came before us, you and I, Carrie, is unfortunate. They came to the wrong place. Probably should have gone farther down the continent, but they came to the cold part. And I imagine, you know, the very first couple of generations or couple of years that they were here, you know, a lot of people probably didn't make it. And winter mm-hmm. came and they weren't prepared and bad things happened. And then they realized, okay, we need to store up food a little bit beforehand. And oh, here's how we can till the land properly. And here's what we're working with. We're still in these early stages of online, digital, and the internet. We're pioneers in this new land and someone's got to figure it out. We're all winging it. And the only way to figure it out and the only way to get new ideas and to validate ideas that we already have is to be doers and to give it a try. So do you still do video announcements? Yeah. So that is still the product. Uh, It still exists. We do it for about 125 churches every weekend at this point, I only spend one hour per week on that department, that part of the company. So I spend an hour in the studio still presenting announcements, but our team and the other presenters that we have, about six of them now, uh, take care of the rest, but it still exists. So you still do one or two churches personally? I still do 25 to 30 each week personally. Wait a minute. You do 25 or 30 in an hour? Yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in front of that teleprompter and uh, I've gotten it down to a pretty pretty good uh, a good science. So if I'm doing an hour of presenting 25 churches, you know, it works out to about, you know, two to two minutes and 20 seconds per church. I only make maybe two or three mistakes in the hour, which is what allows me to go that fast. But that's only because I've literally presented 50,000 plus church announcements at this point. So it's a very bizarre skill. Of course, uh, but it's one that I'm glad to have. So a lot of leaders would look at that and say, okay, that's it. I'm done. I found like a church announcement thing. But the thing that amazes me about you is that's just not your company. Like you just keep going. And, you know, once you, you know, reach the point where you can pay the rent and buy groceries and put gas in your car, a lot of people are like, okay, good. I've, I found my sweet spot. But like you keep adding. And that's one of the things that amazes me about you. So, I'd love to see the portfolio like right now. Like, what else are you doing? I mean, I think there's learnings for all of us in this. I mean, I'm sure there are a number of different variables at play here that are working behind the scenes, but a big part of it, I imagine, has to be my age. I try, I mean, self awareness is a huge part of being a good leader and a good business person. And so I, I try to recognize that 
look, I am at a stage in my life where I can, to use a baseball analogy, you know, be at the plate and take some mighty swings. And if I strike and it's really embarrassing, I mean, great. I've got a ton of at-bats still coming up later down in this game. Another part of it is that I really think that the foundation for our business is incredibly strong. The entire reason our business exists is because of, you know, what I like to call Pro Church Nation, our audience. So, you know, our email list is, you know, I don't know if I think I checked this morning, 42,000 or something. And we prune it pretty regularly to make sure that it's an engaged list, not just inflated numbers. But the point of that is that I have this audience that really believes in what we're trying to accomplish. And so I know that the products are going to change. Video announcements, I'm shocked they're still around. People still love yeah. them and they still say they're working. So we'll keep doing them for them. Um, but it, when they disappear, I don't want that to be the reason the company still exists. And so as our company has evolved and as the world around us changes and new challenges arise, we want to create products to, to help churches meet those challenges. And a lot of it is just, I like to bet on myself. You know, it's like... I, Again, it probably goes back to that first dollar that I made online. I felt like, oh, I made a dollar online. Why can't I make a million? Why can't I make 10 million? I mean, it's a hard thing, but if it can be done, why not reverse engineer how and go for it? And so, you know, with Nucleus, the church website builder that we created, and, and, and this is an important note, like we're not venture backed at all. Like we're a private company that no one has ever given any money to. Correct. And I'm very proud of that. I like being the one that makes the decisions and I don't have to answer to a board. But that also means that when you're building software that people normally raise millions of dollars for, you have to do it out of your own pocket. So this is probably the craziest thing I ever done. Like I, I had a million dollars saved in the bank and I, and I could have taken it out and been taxed pretty heavily, but you know, bought a giant house maybe or a car or a watch. And I was like, what if we built a piece of software and I'd never built software before. And I had to hire an agency to help me get it started. And we spent all that money building a product because one, again, bet on yourself. I think that I would rather spend that money on me than a, a big house, at least at this stage in my life. And then number two, we wanted to build something that had never existed for churches. I mean, I think that churches are underserved when it comes to resources because there isn't a ton of money being poured into this niche because it's just not as profitable as other niches like tech and fitness and engineering and things like that. And so I was like, well, someone's got to spend the money on it. Why not us? And a lot of the things come always back to that, Gary. It's like, well, why not us? And, and so we just keep going for it. And, you know, you, you make wrong turns along the way and you course correct. And uh, there is a fine line between foolishness and riskiness. And I try to walk that. <laughs> That's an interesting decision, <laughs> Uh, that you made? Because I think there's a lot of people who having built the company to that level may have built the dream home. Uh, there's another group that might have said, wow, we've got something highly profitable and successful. I'm going to sell the company and cash out at this point and either retire or do something else. Why did you make that decision at that point? I'm curious. There's this thing about money that like, when you when you get money and you don't have money, it definitely improves your level of happiness. And I think there have been studies on this that there's a certain level, let's say right around six figures, I can't remember the exact number, where every time you get a bump from like 50 to 60K in you know, your salary to 60 to 70, like it makes a big difference. And then you hit a certain point where it's not that you don't like 
care about it as much, but it doesn't make as much of a difference when it comes to your overall happiness. And yeah, you're still able to fill your car with gas and buy groceries. Yeah. And so you get to a point where you're like, at least for me, like this isn't about money. This is about legacy. And this is also about making a real difference for churches. And so we were at a point where when we made this big shift in our company towards software, at that point, we were only selling courses. So we had this, um, a bunch of different courses that we sold. And it wasn't that those courses were, were bad. I mean, I was really proud of them. But mm. I was like, what if we could build something that's going to last decades rather than last a couple of years and, and need to be updated? And, and so again, it's like, hey, we got a, we got a net bat here. Let's take a crazy swing and, and, and who knows what will happen. And so I think it all came down to legacy versus, you know, just another 100K sort of thing. So it really comes back to mission, right? Like what gets you up in the morning? And clearly, I, I love this. I mean, you're mission driven. So take us through the portfolio right now. Uh, I know that you do a number of things. You've got video announcements. You do story tape. You've got Nucleus. What, what else? What else is in the portfolio? Yeah, I mean, I really hope this is valuable to people because I don't want it to sound like, and, and, and here's the other product. No, that no, no, we no. Have, that's not so. why I ask it at all. It is of interest to me. And I'll tell you why. Because there is a fascinating curiosity to you, a uh, really riveting sense of just constant experimentation and innovation. And I want people to see what's possible when you really throw your heart into it. Mm. Okay. So we try to round out the products that we offer and, and keep them in their own verticals. So provideoannouncements.com, our video announcements platform, that's like client services. Mm -hmm. And then Nucleus is SaaS, so software as a service. And that's our church website builder, nucleus.church is the URL for that. And then storytape.com is our stock video site. So uh, instead of paying for one video clip, that's like 200 bucks, which is what stock traditionally is. You get 25, no, no, 18,000. I can't remember. There's a lot of thousands of clips on there for, you know, 200 bucks a month sort of thing. And that's our resources site. So it's like downloadable resources is one vertical. Software is another vertical. Client services is another vertical. And when it comes to like macro business strategy, my audience, like the niche of churches and even smaller, like church communications is comparatively small when you think of, you know, the fitness industry or diet or build a business or leadership. And so yeah. We recognize that, okay, if we wanted to be a company that was like a multi-million dollar company and could build and do things that would not be possible at a smaller scale, we need to find ways to serve churches in different verticals. So rather than going wider with our audience, go deeper with our existing audience. And another part of that is that anytime, Carrie, I've tried to serve an audience outside of the church, and, I, and I've tried on a couple of occasions, I've just gotten so bored and disinterested with it because I just love churches so much. I mean, call it a mission, call it DNA, call it a calling. Like I cannot at this point and for seven years now, I cannot not serve churches and, and heck forget seven years. I mean, youth ministry all the way back to grade 10, like being in church every single night as much as I could, you know, that's like a decade plus now if I just love working for churches. Well, one of the things I'm curious about, because I really think that what you're doing is new in the church space. I mean, I haven't studied corporate history or anything, but I, I think this is a fairly new partnership. And I'm just curious as to how you found that place in the market and why it's so deep. I mean, do you think this is something that denominations used to do or this is just an area that's never been served? Uh, what's your take on that? I think a huge part of it is when you 
when you choose to be a specialist over a generalist, it builds instant rapport with your audience. And and like you said, this is kind of like a new space, like church communications, tech, digital in the church world. That's that's new and emerging. When you commit to them, it's so much easier for them to inversely commit to you. And I think that a huge part of our success and, and ability to grow as a company year after year has, year has been that every year we commit more to churches. Like, let's give away more free content this year than last year. Let's like serve churches better this year than last year in these X, Y, and Z ways. And so I think that that's really just the universal principle of reciprocity. You know, like the more that I give and lead first, give first to you, the more likely that you are to reciprocate that. And what I love about our company, Carrie, is that 90% of the people in our audience have never and will never give us a dime. Like we, we, we do so much free content with video, audio, and the written word. And I'm so proud knowing that 90% of the people that follow us are either unwilling or unable to give us money, but they still identify with this and they need just as much help as our customers. And so again, principle of reciprocity, like some are going to give back and some won't, but the business model that we have allows for that. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I love that you're sharing that model. I mean, in many ways, uh, you and I were talking about this before we started recording, but that's exactly how I do things too. I mean, I, I said to you, and this is my hope, that I want my free stuff to be better than most people's paid stuff. And again, it's, you know, the 2% that is paid that pays for the 98% that's free, like this podcast, for example. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a whole new business model. I've seen that happen in corporate. I've seen that happen online. Uh, but a lot of people in the church world don't understand it. So here's something kind of interesting. People will say to me about church online, you know, churches that broadcast their services. Okay, well, who pays for that? Like, can you just watch for free? And I just think that's the most curious question in the world because it's like, really, you're going to charge somebody who just doesn't even go to church to watch church? Like, I don't get that level of thinking, yet people almost approach it from the perspective of it's a it's a pay-per-use thing when I don't think that's where the economy online is going at all. And maybe can you tell us why it works? I think it works because it demonstrates a willingness to serve first you know, when I think about the best leaders I know, you know, leadership exists and demands someone to go first. So for instance, you know, there's a lot of talk about authenticity and vulnerability nowadays. And, and one kind of mantra that I try to live and lead by is lead with vulnerability, where, where basically everyone is going through something that they want someone else to know, but they don't know if they have the permission to do it and someone needs to go first. And so if you are willing to lead with vulnerability, it gives the rest around you the permission to do the same, but someone has to go first and risk that, right? And it is a risk. You lead with vulnerability, you open yourself up and and, and that can lead to being hurt. You know, you expose yourself and that can be uh, putting yourself in a vulnerable position. Similarly, with this model of business, it's, you know, there's that risk up front where if I give away everything, how am I going to monetize? And it's a fear that I can empathize with, but I, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, well-founded. And at least I can only speak from my experience. It, it hasn't been in my own personal and professional life. Uh, you know, you lead with that, with that free stuff. You lead with value. You lead with generosity and giving and people reciprocate. And we just keep doubling down on that model. So 
Similar to, you know, your podcast, Carrie, we were doing an interview podcast for years. We did more than 200 episodes. And then this year we switched to a daily podcast, you know, Monday through Friday, doubling down on more content. And right before I jumped on this podcast with you, I recorded and filmed the five you know, episodes for next week that'll be going live. And we turned it into a YouTube show and we doubled down on Instagram and we hired more people to create content alongside me. And then I outsourced some of the other things that I was doing so I could do even more content. And so we just keep doubling down on that. Give away more, give away more, give away more. And again, that universal principle of reciprocity or whatever you want to term it seems to keep coming back into play. Now, I so appreciate the breakdown of that model. And, you know, I I, I get it. I mean, it costs you money to make those resources. So, for example, on my podcast, you know, I have a show producer, like a technical producer. I've got people who host the web. I've got an assistant. I've got a show notes manager and a podcast, you know, coordinator. And, you know, I don't know how much it costs. Maybe probably close to $1,000 an episode, I think now to do the podcast. And a lot of people would say, well, how can it cost you that money? And like, you give it away for free. So I can see a lot of leaders going, I, I don't get that freemium model. Like, why would I pay for something that is going to be free to the end user? Can you just, for the leader that's really struggling in that area, can you break that down a little bit more for them so they can understand it? The big thing is that where you and I are both at now is at least for me, like not where I started. So- <laughs> For instance, I'm recording on the Heil PR40, as are you. It's a, whatever, $400 mic, something like that? Yeah. The first mic I had was a Blue Yeti Snowball. It was $48, and I recorded into my laptop that I already had. And when I started giving away this free content, I was just giving of my time to begin with. So I would wake up at 5 a.m. every day because I had to drop my wife off at work at her first job, then her second job, and I had to go to school myself, and I was still on staff at the church. I had no time. And so from 5 to 8 a.m. every day is when I would write and I would, you know, hone this skill. And that's how I would work to give away the content because you're right. I had no money to invest at that time. Not just I wasn't willing to. I had no money. I was 20 or 21. There was no money. And so I gave of my time instead. And same with the podcast. You know, it was a $50 mic. And and when it even came to video, which we started with pretty early in the game as well, that video camera that DSLR was, let's say, 500 bucks. It was the same camera we were using to make video announcements for our paid clients, and I was just investing extra time to film and create videos to distribute for free on YouTube, again, using existing gear and resources that I had. And then when that proved to work, you invest more. And when that proves to work even more, you invest more. But you can start for free, and it's only going to cost your time, which is not free, but it's a more abundant resource, at least ideally, in, in many churches. Yeah, if you really think about it, you know, from a cost standpoint, you have a smartphone, it's got a really good camera on it, maybe you buy a $100 mic and you're good to go. You can start a YouTube channel or you can start broadcasting. Okay, so when you think about your company, what were some challenges you had to overcome to create the different divisions, like all the things that you're currently doing? You know, it's funny, I started started the business because when I was living in Edmonton, I would dread having to wake up in the deep dark of winter in negative 35 degrees, walk down to my car, which was like a half a mile walk to the parking lot from our apartment building. And uh, it's so cold there for the American listeners and warmer climate listeners. You have to plug your car in, otherwise it won't start. So we would sit in this cold car after walking half a mile in 
negative 35 degree weather, wait for the car to warm up, drive the 45 minutes to work on the roads that weren't plowed in the dead of winter in traffic jam. (laughs) And then I do that every day there and back, there and back, there and back. And I started the business because I was like, I want freedom of time. I did not care about money. I did not care about even, even at the beginning what I was doing. I just, the number one priority I had was freedom of time. I was like, I have something to offer, I think, and I can't do it if someone else owns my schedule. And so that was the first thing. The reason I tell that story is because what's funny is that as you grow the business, and and really I I wanted freedom of time because I wanted comfort, Carrie. Like I I wanted to just be able to avoid the the displeasures of life and the things that were uncertain and uncomfortable. And, And I think that's a really young, naive mindset that I had and I still carry a bit because the biggest thing that I've had to embrace to overcome really running a business and the day-to-day anxieties that come along with it is embracing uncertainty and embracing discomfort because I think I, I had a wake-up call 18 months ago or so where I realized that everything that I want in life requires discomfort and uncertainty to get there. Like there's no way to get around that. And so if I'm not willing to embrace that discomfort and uncertainty, then I'm not going to be rewarded with the dreams and things that I care about. You know, a simple analogy would be, oh, let's say I want to lose weight. Well, if you're unwilling to embrace the discomfort of feeding your body less than it is conditioned to be fed, then you're not going to be able to lose weight. Like that's going to be uncomfortable. And so that works in, I've found every area of life. You have to embrace uncertainty, embrace discomfort. The way to it is to go through it. That sounded really cliche. That was terrible. Um, but that's the idea. <laughs> what are some mistakes you've made as the company's grown? Well, I always like to say that like leadership is not my biggest strength. Uh, another weird thing about our company is that all of our in-house employees like went to youth group with me and we were all friends in high school. So every single wow. person that we've hired is like just a friend of mine that was working at Best Buy. Um, and, and then they were like, can I work for you? And I was like, okay. And, and we just figured it out as we went along. And so, you know, my biggest mistakes come with, with leading a team, you know, let's one mistake that I made recently and, and hopefully have set up to be corrected was, you know, we travel a lot for story tape, our video site to film. So we'll bring our drone, we'll go to some exotic location and drone the beautiful landscape. And all of the people that come on these trips are drone certified, insured, you know, have their licenses. But there's only like three of those people in the company. So the other six would never get to come on these trips. And I was just like, well, you don't have your drone certification, so you can't come on the trips. And I think eventually one of them came to me and was like, look, people are kind of upset that they always get to go to the fun places and we have to stay here. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Wow. That was a blind spot that I did not see and definitely should have. Yeah. And so you know, when I'm going to speak now, we're making it so that the people that don't normally get to go on the story tape filming trips get to come on the speaking trips because everyone deserves a, you know, a chance or at least as much as possible. I'd like that to be the reality. And that's just one example of a leadership mistake that, you know, I make all the time. You know, I don't admit my own mistakes enough. I don't hand out and acknowledge jobs well done by others well enough. I mean, there's a never ending list really. So how do you get you know, friends who are working at, say, Best Buy or maybe entry-level jobs, not exactly in the C-suite, to lead at that level when you hire them? What have, what have been some of the keys to, like, developing that young group of leaders for you? It's funny that you use that word motivating because I received two DMs this morning from churches that asked almost the identical question. They said, what's the key to 
getting and keeping motivated and reliable volunteers. And they both use those exact words, motivated and reliable. I, it was uncanny. And I was like, okay, well, I think that's hitting on something that definitely exists within our churches. You know, we can get people, but how do you get the right people? And so, I mean, a couple of things that I've found to be helpful, huge has been giving our team autonomy in their own role. So basically handing them a task or a project or a program and saying, look, you're in charge of this and I trust you and I think you're going to rise to the occasion. Oh, by the way, if you don't do it, I mean, it's not getting done. And, and, and you know, I don't say it in those many words, but basically what that act does is it demonstrates to that person that one, I trust them. Two, I think that they are skilled enough to accomplish this. And because it gives them that autonomy to complete that task or project themselves, they know that they're playing a valuable role. And we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, right? And so not to say that our company is like that all altruistic thing that's bigger than ourselves that everyone wants to be a part of, but just that feeling like you're valued and you're cared for and you're not just doing menial work can, can mean the world. Another thing we've done is set deadlines. So... With creative projects, I think we've all experienced this, whether you are a creative person yourself, would consider yourself that or not. You know, you start on a project and it just carries on longer than you think it should and it just keeps, so we just say, okay, this needs to be done by this day. And so people come in late if they need to, people come in early if they need to, they reprioritize what needs to be done to hit those deadlines. And that's allowed us to motivate because look again, if it doesn't get done, by you it's not getting done and, and this is the deadline. And then another part that is huge, really the biggest part, is just having a narrative and, and demonstrating the progress that you're making. So, you know, in the church world, I think what makes this difficult with volunteers is that it's very easy to just be like, it's just another Sunday. And when this Sunday is done, there's another one next week. And I got to tear down this week and I got to set up next week. And then it happens over and over and over again. And so what we do is we have this giant chalkboard wall at our office. And it takes up a full wall. It's like, you know, 15 feet high. And, and we write like, here's our goals for this quarter. Here are our goals for this year. Here are our goals for this month. And at the beginning of every month, we start them again. And I say, here's what we did. And here's what we failed at. And what this allows us to do is always be working towards something. And there's a way to actually measure if we did it or not. And, and this could be seen as like a way to gamify what you're trying to accomplish. But basically adding some stakes and saying, this is what the finish line is. And here's how we're going to get there. Let's all move to there together. And, and so that's, those are those three things, autonomy, deadlines, and, uh, you know, just measuring and tracking and putting very visibly progress and growth have been huge for that. What's been easier than you thought it would be? Easier, man. I, I think I saw this tweet the other day from the COO at an email marketing company called ConvertKit. Now they're known as Seva. And it, the COO tweeted, he said, and the original tweet that he was responding to, the original tweet was like, what's the best tip that you've heard when it comes to content marketing? And, and that's a lot of what we've been talking about thus far in the podcast, like creating free content and giving it away. That's what content marketing is at its core. And his response was, fall in love with the creation of the content, not the outcome that it brings. And for whatever reason, I think I have a predisposition, kind of a default state of loving the process of creating content. Mm. So... It is like a great joy of me for me to sit down at the table and record five straight episodes of Pro Church Daily, our podcast. It is a great joy to wake up at 5.30, sit down in front of that blinking cursor inside of ByWord, the word processing software that I use, and pound out, you know, a 3,000 word article. Like, that's where I find the most joy and that's where I'm the most alive, which 
fortunately, is the biggest engine behind our business when it comes to building audience, which is what we need to actually make money. And so that's probably been the easiest part. Like we just keep doing more content. We keep improving the content that we're doing and we just keep doubling down on that. And I think it's because I don't even care about the outcome. I don't see it as a means to an end. I just love the process. The world is changing dramatically. What is some low-hanging fruit that maybe church leaders and business leaders would be missing? I mean, things they could do virtually right away that maybe most people are missing. Okay, I'm so glad you asked that question because just this morning, I got a DM from a church, small, rural, 25 people every single week. And recently, for whatever reason, they've been seeing all of these guests turn up week after week. And they told me, this was their words, like they hadn't seen a new visitor show up in years and they used the plural in the DM. Mm -hmm. So they're like, where are these visitors coming from? So they started asking them. And what they found out was that these people were discovering their church through their website and through Facebook. And this was the thing that this individual needed to convince his church leadership, hey, this stuff is real. And so I, I, I say that to say that there are tons of low hanging fruit opportunities. The first one, would be Google My Business Listing. So this is something that's specific for local organizations, your church So included. that's like, you know, what, googlemybusiness.com? How does that work? It's, it's part of the Google search engine. So let's say you are searching for a local Mexican restaurant in your city. So is it different from Google? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get my head around it. It's, it's part of Google. Mm. So what happens is you have a local address and you're at church. If someone searches for your church online and you don't have Google My Business listing filled out, let's use a church example rather than a Mexican restaurant. I just got food on the mind. So <laughs> you search for Hope Church, you know, Tacoma in Google. If you don't have Google My Business listing filled out and authorized, let's say the first listing in Google is your church's website. That's traditional. We know all about that, right? If you do have Google My Business listing filled out, It'll still show up first in Google, but then on the right side of the Google search results, there's going to be this, basically a card, and it takes up almost oh, yeah, the full page. Is. Oh, man. I love it when that exactly. happens. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you can call them and everything. Yes. It's called Google My Business Listing. It'll show pictures of your church, your hours, your phone number, your website, emails to contact. It'll pull in reviews directly from Google. It's basically like the front door without even going to your website yet for search engines, and we're all using Google mostly. We will link to that in the show notes. Yes, it's 100% free. All you have to do is verify your address. So when you start filling it out, they'll send you an actual authorization code to your physical address just to say, do you actually own this address because it's a local search engine feature? You fill that out and it's going to do wonders to your you know, existing search persona in, uh, in search engines. So that's a huge one. It's free. It takes like 10 minutes to fill out. Okay, any other low-hanging fruit? I mean, just as, oh, as far I as that goes. plenty okay, care. Awesome, Let's just awesome, go. go. Okay, so we talked about search engine. The next is going to be your website. You know, there's this... It's really glamorous to get involved with, you know, like IGTV and Instagram and, and Facebook and paid advertising. Still to this day, the single best marketing tool your church has is going to be your website. And we did a case study here of more than a thousand different church websites all across the globe, every state, every province represented 30 different countries. We looked at a thousand websites and we found that 62% of church websites on their homepage don't have readily accessible new visitor information. And so 
That's two out of three churches where you land on their website and it's talking about their potluck and it's talking about the current sermon series and it's promoting the VBS and there's nothing about new visitors. And so what we recommend, and we built this into the Nucleus framework on our church website builder is like at the top of your page, make it prominent, a big you know, button call to action, plan a visit, I'm new, where you are demonstrating to new visitors, not only are you expected, but you are valued because mm. imagine if someone walked into your church for the first time, church leader, pastor, Carrie, who's listening, and they were new and everyone knew they were new, but literally no one did anything. No one acknowledged them. No one talked to them. Like that would be a travesty. And we would think, wow, what an opportunity missed. Okay. That is so good. Oh man. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I just, I, I want to drill down a little bit deeper with you, Brady. So I know some of the analytics behind our church website, connectuschurch.com. The thing that is consistent year after year after year, uh, obviously number one thing that people look for, they land on is the homepage. Number two is messages. And number three, much to my surprise, is actually the church staff page, like staff profiles. Is that normal or is that just us? Yeah, it is. Staff is one of the most visited websites on a church website. We found that with large churches like yours, smaller churches of 100 or less, people want to know who are the people actually at your church. And so, for instance, we have this plan of visit page framework where it's like, okay, here's everything you need on your plan of visit page. And we like to incorporate certain elements of staff in there because we know based on analytics that people are going there anyway. Mm. But, you know, even we have this uh, staff page single click template within Nucleus because we're like, look, this is one of the most visited pages on your site. You're probably going to forget it. You're going to think it's not important. But we found again and again, and you're a perfect example of this, people go there. And the people that are going there are the new visitors. Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, people are going on there and they're trying to see if they fit, right? They're trying to see, are these are these people like me? And in a lot of churches, they list their elders. Maybe they list the custodian. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But people are, are really looking to see if they're going to fit and if these are similar people. And they want to know, okay, what's your phone number? What's your email? How do I get in touch with you? Okay, keep going with low-hanging fruit. You just hit on kind of the continuation of this idea. You said people are looking for that face of who is at this church. And one of the things that we found again and again in this case study of church websites was that a lot of people are using clip art still somehow. A lot of churches are using stock photos of people's faces that don't attend their church. Yeah. Or a lot of churches are using pictures of like a field or a, a running river or something or the building of their church, which is nice. But studies and research have shown again and again the power of photos of smiling human faces. So for instance... Uh, Georgia Institute of Technology and Yahoo Labs did kind of the first big study of social sharing photos. So they looked at more than 1 million Instagram photos and they found that posts on Instagram with pictures of human faces were 38% more likely to get likes and 32% more likely to attract comments. And the reason for that is simple. We're a social species and there is nothing better that we would prefer to interact with that draws our attention and our eye than the smiling or funny looking face of another human. And so, you know, in years past, this would have been like, I got to hire a professional photographer. I got to bring them in. And, and if you can do that, by all means do. We have a full-time photographer on staff here because it's that important. But we did this case study where I took my phone and you've mentioned this a couple of times, Carrie, you know, all the modern phones now today have this thing called portrait mode where you can blur out the background yeah, while taking a picture Boca? of a human. Right. Yes. So this is called shallow depth of field bokeh in the photography world. It's that blurred out background, usually reserved for higher end cameras, 
You can now even do it within Instagram stories with any phone. And so I went into this church I had never been to before with nothing but my phone. And I should make the caveat that I'm not a photographer. I know a lot about video. Give me a camera. You will see how useless that I am. So we go into this church and I spend an hour there taking photos. And then I create this whole website mock-up design for them. And I take this idea that people are looking at your staff page to see the photos of people. And I extrapolate that across the whole website. You want to plaster photos, smiling photos of your people, your staff, everywhere, because it's the absolute best way to make a great first impression online and a great way to build rapport. And what can be said in a single image would take paragraphs worth of text to explain. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. I mean, when we redid our website a couple of years ago at Connexus, we used actual pictures of actual people in, in our church. And, you know, that doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah, we're a large church now. We have a multi-million dollar budget. But honestly, that's a volunteer position at Connexus. We just have volunteers who have their own kit, you know, Canon or Nikon. They come in on Sunday morning. This is their way of giving back. This is how they serve. They shoot pictures. And now... We have a bank of like thousands of pictures more than we could possibly use, but they are our pictures. And so it rings true to people's uh, experience when they come to visit us. So, and I, I can also attest to the fact, Brady, that that's exactly how my blog operates, that I usually put a picture with every blog post. If I use a picture of a person, it gets way more traction than if it's, uh, you know, just an object or a landscape or something like that. There's something about people that's really intuitive. Okay, just in case there's anything left. Any other low-hanging fruit? So I got this email from a pastor this morning that kind of quickened my memory on this. And he was talking about how in the last year, his, and I've got the numbers here, his digital connections went from 15% to 31%, meaning, you know, digital connect cards, digital signups, all that stuff. His small group engagement went from 42% to 74%, and his fall outreach went from 400 people to 900 people, all in one year. So what did he do? Simply put, all he did was he consolidated every connection point to a single next step. So what I mean by that is that a lot of churches fall for this trap that think, okay, the more options we give people, the easier it's going to be for them to take next steps. Hmm. And... It's just not the case. There have been studies that have shown this again and again, like less form fields equals more responses. You know, less equals more action taking. And so instead of confusing your congregation with what we like to call chaotic communications, where you've got the bulletin and the lobby, and you can talk to the pastor and you can email the church or you can call the office or you can download the app or you can go to the website, like a lot of churches, and trust me, I've done tens of thousands of church announcements. So I know how we do next steps from every denomination, every age, every denom- you know, everything is that we just give people so many options because we think, well, if we give them all these options, then they'll be able to take the one that's best for them. But in reality, it doesn't work. And so what we re- recommend is consolidate all of your connection points to just one. So at my church, you know, what we say is we say, go to this website or go to the kiosk in the lobby. And that kiosk in the lobby is an iPad on a stand that is that exact same website. So every single next step goes through one location. And this does two things. Number one, as this was a perfect example of with this church, you get a ton more engagement because it's so simple. And no matter what next step someone wants to take, small group, growth track, baptism, prayer request, connect card, everyone knows it's the same place every time. So now you don't get that analysis paralysis where you're like, I don't know where I want to go. I'll just not forget it. 
And then the second thing is it actually saves your church a ton of money and headache because now you don't have to worry about maintaining all of these different platforms. You can just focus on maintaining paying for the one. And so this saves money, saves headache, and it boosts next steps. It's a little counterintuitive, but again, there's plenty of research in every industry that suggests and points to this being a great, great way to improve next steps. Do you have a recommendation as to what that one point of contact should be? Like, should that be a physical connection card? Should that be a website? Should, like, uh, what would that one point of contact optimally be in your view? Yeah, so I mean, we built Nucleus for this purpose, so it would be remiss of me not to say that that's why we built Nucleus. If you go to our website, it'll say like, more next steps, more life change, because we think that, you know, next steps, and I think you've talked about this a ton in your blog, engagement, like that is the metric, that is the commodity that you need to focus on. Forget attendance, it's one next step, but one of just like 17 that we talk about, so focus on all of them. And so we think that a website is the best way to do it. You can do it with Nucleus, you can do it with any website. Um, the reason for that is that's gonna allow next steps to take place 24 seven, not just in that one hour on a Sunday morning, but all week long. But then we also incorporate print pieces with it. So we have this connect card template that we uh, give away for free because people are still gonna fill out a physical connect card, some will, but then on that connect card on both the front and the back, we point to our Nucleus URL. So we're like, hey, follow along with today's experience at, and then we insert the URL. And then we have these on-screen graphics that do the same thing. Follow along today's experience at the Nucleus URL. And then we even, we're working on a bulletin template right now that does the same thing. Like, don't print a bulletin every week. It's gonna cost you a lot of money probably. You know, print something once every quarter and it can have your big events for the year on the front, some frequently asked, or for the quarter, frequently asked questions on the back so new visitors know what to expect. And then again, big calls to action. Follow along with today's experience. Sign up for any of these events that we're promoting on the bulletin at this URL. And so again, you can use print pieces to kind of work together, but at the end of the day, everything is pointing towards that same singular destination. Oh, that's good advice. So technology is changing rapidly. Your company is changing rapidly. Look ahead a few years. What do you think we're going to see as far as changing technology goes? So I hope this isn't an anticlimactic answer, but when IGTV launched... I was inundated with DMs. Yeah, so just so everybody knows, IGTV, Instagram TV, right? <laughs> yes, Instagram TV. Basically, their play against YouTube. And so I, I got all these DMs saying, hey, like, how can churches begin to use this? Like, what do we need to do? And I resisted. We eventually did an episode of Pro Church Daily on it because, you know, give the audience what it wants, and they were clamoring for it. But even in that, in that episode, and I had this default position that, you know, for churches, attention is the most valuable commodity your church can possess. Without attention, doesn't matter if you have the greatest story of all time, which we all believe that we do, or if you're peddling a discounted oil change. If you don't have attention first, you can't get anywhere from there. And so I reverse engineer attention from that perspective and say, all I care about is where attention is currently. Because here's the thing with IGTV. It was huge in the first week. I saw some of my team's views and they were crazy. I checked those same views yesterday and they were a fraction of what they were in the first week. And this is what happens with every new platform. We don't know how the story ends on IGTV. And this is kind of the way that I approach my fundamental perspective on this. I literally have no idea where things are going in the next five years. And I don't like to like play like profit and pretend that I know. The only thing that I'll say is, I think the obsession with Sunday service, at least if I had my way and what I think the best thing to do is, in a church world in the next five years, 
We need to begin shifting away from putting all of our resources into that. And now don't hear me wrong, listener. I'm not saying pendulum shift from one extreme to the other. I'm saying there's an imbalance right now towards the vast majority of our resources being invested into this one hour. Let's shift that and just create a bit more of a balance. You've got 167 other hours. Invest more there. So to answer the question, I don't know where technology is taking us. I don't know if VR and AR are five years away. I don't know if self-driving cars are five years away. Maybe they're 25. Maybe they're you know 12 months, and, and maybe we'll go to Mars, and maybe Elon will do everything that he says he's going to do. I, all I know is I go where the attention is now. So YouTube, maybe not as glamorous as IGTV. 95% of Gen Z, those that are entering college this year all the way down to like nine years old, 95% use YouTube and 50% say they could not live without it. One in two say they couldn't live without a website called YouTube. The attention's there, I'm going there. We keep investing more and more into YouTube. IGTV, I'm experimenting with it and we'll invest a bit there, but until it gets that same level of attention, I try to proportionally put resources where the attention is. And that applies to your church, right? No, I think that's good advice. I mean, technology is changing quickly. I was thinking I joined a new social network six months ago. I, I can't even remember the name of it. Like, I have no idea what it was. But, you know, it comes, it goes. And even Periscope. Like, think about how big Periscope was three years ago and how nobody's on it anymore. It's some video channel on Twitter that pretty much nobody uses. So, yeah, I get that. But, okay, we don't know where technology is going. But what about your company? What's next for you guys for Pro Church Tools? And for us... Uh... Building software, you know, I've talked to a lot about Nucleus. Uh, it's a beast. You know, it, it took a million dollars to build, like I said, and it just takes more and more to keep adding to it. It's a never finished uh, project. There's always more we can do and we plan to so do. So that's a I, website builder for churches, right? Correct, correct. Um, you, know, we, you know, we think most church websites are kind of like yellow page listings, which made a lot of sense, you know, just information kind of static. And, and we think that the next evolution of church websites is going to be places where you can take next steps. And so that's what we're trying to build with that. But I think we're, we're really happy with where we are now with what we have. When it comes to what's next, we're going to keep investing more money, more resources, more talent and energy into content and our software. Uh, because again, like there's so much more that you can scale in both of those verticals. And so we're just going to keep putting more and more into it. Well, you know what amazes me in all this, Brady? It's always, it's always so good to have you. But, you know, here we are, a couple of guys who started out around the same time uh, trying to help leaders online. You and I live a couple hours from each other. And then there's a third guy, like, like Jeff McIntosh, who is making a real difference with graphics for churches online. And, uh, you know, he, he lives... I think just east of Toronto or whatever. Agreed. I think Jeff lives now. He moved. He's closer to you now, actually. Oh, he He's, lives uh, closer to me now. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's right. That's right. I, I, I think I did know about that now that you mention it. Anyway, we, we got to all get together. Like at some point, you know, he started um, a little bit earlier than you and I started. But, you know, here's three Canadians who live real, <laughs> real close to each other. You guys got to come up here for a barbecue or to go boating or something like that sometime soon, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he's up near you. So maybe I need to come up near cottage country. And, yeah. Uh, okay. So if you want to dig a little bit deeper, and uh, this is a bit of trivia that very few people know, and Jeff may not remember, uh, but before he started Church Motion Graphics, uh, I actually hired him to do one of his first projects when he went out on his own, when Connexus was launching. If you deep Google this, you might still be able to find it. There was a title package we put together for a series that I called My Dysfunctional Christmas. And Jeff actually did all the animation on that, produced the whole thing. I think it was one of his first paid jobs. So anyway, uh, a bit of shared history there. 
yeah, what's it called? Is it Church Motion Graphics? Is that it? Churchmotiongraphics.com. An amazing, yeah. okay. amazing resource. That's it. It's like $11 a month or $16 a month. Like it's a, it's a no brainer. And he's so good at what he does. And he's a great guy, which is the most important part. Well, Brady, it's always so good to have you. I know that people are going to want to know more. So where can, can they find you and where can they find Pro Church Tools Online? Yeah, I mean, I love podcasts and we invest so much into podcasting. If you're a podcast listener, best place is to go to ProChurchDaily.com. And uh, all of our podcasts are 10 minutes or less, kind of a different style than Carrie's. We like to condense a single yeah, actionable mine are tip. 10 hours or less. 10 hours or less. I mean, look, different approaches. Um, so we try to take like one actionable tip or tool that you can implement in your church every day. And that's what Pro Church Daily is all about. Like, like I said, digital is hard, really, really difficult. And so we want to kind of be that partner with you as things change and as they evolve. We know you're busy, so 10 minutes or less, just listen on your drive-in. We know a lot of our listeners do, and ProChurchDaily.com is the place to find that. If you want to get in touch with me personally, Instagram, at Brady Shear is the best. I get a lot of DMs, and I try to respond to every single one, so if you have any questions or follow-up, at Brady Shear on Instagram is the place to do that. Brady, it's always fun catching up. Thanks, man. Likewise. Well, don't you just get inspired talking to leaders like Brady? I just absolutely love that interview. I have so much respect for what he's doing. And I hope it sparked a little bit of hope in you. Like if you've got that dream, you've got the, huh, I wonder if I, for your church or some other dream that God's put in your heart, um, man, go for it, go for it. You have no idea what's possible. So we have some special episodes coming up. I've got a bonus episode coming up this week in a couple of days. Again, if you subscribe, you get it. Next week is a big week for me personally. Uh, and I'm very excited because my new book releases. Yeah, it's called Didn't See It Coming. Uh, subtitle for that book, Overcoming the Seven Greatest Challenges That No One Expects and Everyone Experiences. It's about well, seven issues that I've had to wrestle with the interior life of a leader that a lot of people struggle with. And uh, for launch day, which is next Tuesday, when this podcast always releases, uh, always comes out on a Tuesday, I thought, who do I want to interview me about the book? And so I sat down with a fresh voice for this podcast, but somebody a lot of you will know anyway. She is a multiple New York Times bestselling author, Anne Voskamp. And I actually... <laughs> My wife and I traveled down, we hung out with Anne, we went to the farm, met her husband. We've spent some time together over the last year. And then we sat down at an old church and she interviewed me. And here's an excerpt from next week's episode. Well, uh, part of it is, is you know, the more you know yourself, mm -hmm. right? Yes. John Calvin, yes, yes, without yes. knowledge of self, there's no yes. knowledge of God. Without yes. knowledge of God, there's no knowledge of self. The more I know myself, like, you know, when I was 23, I was like, I'm going to take on the world, yeah, both yeah. guns blazing, you know, <laughs> yeah. here I come, I'm yeah. so smart, what a gift to humanity, and now I'm like, I'm lucky I can even get out of bed, and that anybody yeah. listens to what I have yeah. to say, you know, as I, as I joke to my kids all the time, because they roll their eyes from time to time, I'm like, you know, people actually pay me to speak, you know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> as the kids roll their eyes, yeah. exactly. Oh. Yeah. So again, if you subscribe, you'll get that automatically. Also next week, I talked to Erwin McManus in a fascinating long-range interview, well, wide-ranging interview, I should say, about what he didn't see coming. Levi and Jenny Lusco talk about some of the challenges they've had to overcome in their life, including the death of their daughter. 
And then a couple of weeks from now, we got Nancy Duarte too. This is going to be just super packed over the next month. So again, subscribe and you will have lots of content to listen to. I want to thank our partners on this podcast. Thank you to trainedup.church. Make sure you go over and check them out. And please, please, please pick up your 10% discount for life by using the promo code Carry. And also, if you're looking for a place to go this fall to really learn how to reach the next generation, head on over to futureforwardchurches.com and make sure you register for the Future Forward Conference. I'll be speaking there along with Lee Kreitcher, and you're going to hear some incredibly practical, inspiring stories about how to turn your church around so that you are positioned to reach the next generation. So really excited about that. Thank you so much for listening today. And uh, yeah, we're back next Tuesday and a bunch of other times with some fresh episodes. And don't forget the bonus incentives because if you wait till next week, they'll be gone. Head on over to didn'tseeitcomingbook.com and you can pick up, well, how about this? Access to a free exclusive webinar. Uh, You'll also get some lock screens for your phone. You'll get unit one of the High Impact Leader course for free. That's if you buy a single book. If you buy 10 copies, you get one of my courses for free. If you buy 100 or more copies, you get my entire digital library of courses free. That's over $1,100 in courses for free. Um, But those bonuses go away, well, by the time the next regular episode drops. So head on over to didn'tseeitcomingbook.com. Thank you for all the support, all the encouragement. The book has been number one Uh, Number one new release on Amazon in Christian leadership pretty much all of August. That's because of you guys. You're the best. Thank you. And we're back next Tuesday to do this again. And I do hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.